Or perhaps if you want to grab your Bible, at this point, and we're going to read from Revelation, we're going to pick up the final letter of the seven. Next week, we're going to think about uh, an overview of those seven and think about what has God been showing us I'm thinking about maybe some of the applications from these seven letters. But just as we have uh, in the last seven, let me give you a bit of background information about the church here in Laodicea. This was a city that was known for their wealth. Do you remember I told you about the earthquakes that happened and the state aid, how the, the Romans would have helped support the rebuilding? Well, in Laodicea, it's very interesting, they didn't accept any state funding for the rebuilding efforts. They didn't need any help. They were proud people. They were famous for their banking, for their textiles, their clothing, and their medical school for their healing and their their, uh, medicine. And these three things are all picked up on their letter, that they have their wealth, they have their fancy clothes, and they have their cures, their ointments, and their medicines. They don't need anything. They don't need anything from anybody. Why do I say this? Well, as we will soon see, all these things will be significant in the way that Jesus speaks to the church. Some of the letters we've read have been words of encouragement, some of criticism or judgments, and some have been a praise, and some have been a real mixture. This, unfortunately, letter, it can't be said the same, for this is, uh, there's nothing positive said here about the church. There's nothing positive said about the church in Laodicea. And in fact, this letter is nothing, it's written to a prideful church. But yet we find within it a grace-filled invitation to the arrogant to repent, to turn back to Jesus, and to be restored. In it we find so much hope, so much good news. Let's read it together. Uh, Revelation chapter 3, uh, starting at verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would, it, would, would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. Buy white garments so that you may clothe yourself. The shame of your nakedness may not be seen. By salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. The letter to the church in Laodicea 
is a letter to boastful, self-reliant people. Their boast is not in Christ. Their boast is in themselves. And to Christ, they are repulsive. Their arrogance, putrid. Yet it's important to remember this is not an evangelistic letter. This is not a message to those who have never known Jesus. This is a letter to the church in Laodicea. We receive it today as a stark warning against being puffed up with your own sense of self-worth, falsely believing that you have it all or that you have no needs, that you're self-reliant. Indeed, this message is a humbling one. But let us also see how it is grace-filled welcome to those who were boastful, arrogant, and proud Christians. It's a call to repent with a promise of welcome to those who will not only call on him as Savior, but as Lord. To those who will confess their weaknesses, their need, and discover that far from them being enough, that he is enough. So we're going to step through this letter, uh, step by step together, being mindful and asking the Spirit to apply it and its truth to our lives and to our hearts. We're going to begin considering that prideful heart that says, I am enough. I don't need anything. I am enough. And then we're going to think about that journey uh, with the one who hears, who recognizes that their achievements and their boasts are far from enough, and who say, I need help. And then finally, we're going to recognize and we're going to rest in the truth that he is enough. I hope that's helpful to point out where we're going this morning or this afternoon. So let's together, let's reflect on this graceful call to those prideful, arrogant church to be restored and to be welcomed in Christ's name. So point number one, I am enough. The boast of the church in Laodicea is, I'm all right. We heard it at the time of the earthquake. The only city to refuse state aid for their rebuilding project. They were proud people. They were people maybe concerned with what others thought of them, or else maybe just wanting to be self-reliant, wanting to appear independent. They can do it all. See, this culture in the, in the, in the city of Laodicea seems to have seeped into the church and has completely distorted the message of the gospel. As you know yourself, the message of the gospel is not that I am enough, but he is enough. They find themselves indifferent to Jesus. They've tried to give the appearance of, of churchiness, of niceness, maybe of godliness, whilst denying its power. They have made their boast not in Christ, but in themselves. And to Jesus, they are lukewarm. Maybe you might <laughs> be familiar with this letter. Um, even as we're reading it, things jumping out at you. There's two really significant references maybe that you've read before or you've remembered. One of these is lukewarm water. Now, Bible scholars, historians, and geography buffs will tell you that the, the water that was coming from the north into Laodicea was hot. And it was coming from hot springs known for their healing properties. The water coming in from the east was cold, refreshing, life-giving, drinkable. Water from these two sources were hot and cold. 
But you see, in Laodicea, the water wasn't plentiful, so it had to travel to them via aqueduct. And when these two sources of water arrived uh, to the city, it was neither hot nor was it cold. On the way, it was contaminated by minerals. It was undrinkable, historians say. Lukewarm, and it wasn't even of use for healing. Apparently, it would have been putrid, distasteful, contaminated, and the right response would be to spit it out. It's not nice in the mouth. The people of Laodicea will have resonated with that image more than we will. And they will resonate and they will understand the picture offered to them by Jesus. Have a look at your Bible there. Their boast was in themselves. Look at verse 17. Jesus says, you say that I'm rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. Jesus' response to those who deny him, who boast in their achievements, their pride and their arrogance Well, it might win your friends, it might win your accolades or respect here, but it is repulsive in his sight. And he warns that he will spit them out. He warns that he will spit them out. Just like the lukewarm water from the mouth would be the pride and the lukewarm before Jesus. Now, this message comes as a shock to the church then. But to us this afternoon... Surely that could never be said of us. Their boasts, look again at verse 17. It's interesting to remember those three industries, wasn't it? Banking, their clothing, their hospitals. They say that they're rich, they've prospered, they need nothing. I wonder if we could ever say something similar. Our banks, they're full. Our jobs, they're, they're secure. And we have the best medicine, the best healthcare around. We need nothing. Hasn't this past year given us cause to stop, to reflect, to take stock? Hasn't this past year caused us to reflect and maybe that we're not as all-powerful? Maybe we're not as self-reliant or as resilient as we would like to think that we are. This is an uncomfortable read. And Jesus tells them, far from their boast that they are rich, prospering in need of nothing, verse 17, they're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I am enough. No, I need help. Perhaps like the response of Josiah to the word of the Lord being found, readers of this letter might take it, read it, and weep. That they might cry out, I need help. I'm not as secure as I thought. I alone, I am not enough. I need help. See, the greatest need that the people had here was not for wealth, for clothes, or for medicine, but it was to have their relationship restored. And notice that this is exactly what is being offered to those who have ears, to those who will hear how kind Jesus is to this arrogant, prideful bunch. Whilst their works are no delight to the Lord, they are. Whilst their works are no delight to the Lord, they are. How they are loved by Jesus. Verse 19 says that those who are loved are reproved. 
Jesus' words to them were not of a final judgment, but of a merciful discipline. If I was to take one of my sons and, and grab them by the neck and haul him violently, causing him to burst into tears, would you say that was an act of love? He would probably say no. But before rushing traffic, I imagine your view would be different. The tone of this letter is comparable with the danger that faced the church in Laodicea. And so its purpose was not to scare them witless, but to get them, welcome them back into relationship. Indeed, the spitting out of the mouth was a shock, but it is not one of final judgment, but it is a call to repent. He does not say, interestingly, look again, he does not say he has spat them out, past tense, but he says to the unrepentant, he will spit them out, so turn. Instead, he is calling them, welcoming them back into a restored relationship again. The second memorable picture, maybe for you, is this image of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. Bible commentators will suggest that this word picture is not so much an evangelistic call to unbelievers who have never heard, but it's a call to those within the church. It's a call to those within the church who have the appearance of godliness, yet without power. To those for whom church is just a matter of routine, or to those who, uh, like here, have formulated their own religion of sorts, of lukewarmness, of niceness, of maybe of, of hard work, but have left Jesus on the outside. Oh boy, how the church in the West can resonate with this picture. <coughs> Notice how he offers to come in to restore that broken relationship, which was broken. Verse 20, to those who open, to those who welcome, he will eat with him and they with him. This is a picture of friendship and of hospitality for us today. But even back then, in their culture, it would have been even more significant. To eat with someone is to say that you're accepting them and they are accepting you. You see, it wasn't Jesus who had abandoned them. It was they who had abandoned Christ and left him outside. They'd been so reliant on themselves. They'd been, by their actions, by their speech, they failed to rely on him. Yet, how kind, how kind that he does not leave them or leave them without hope in this letter. He calls them to him, to rest in him, and as we will now see, to reign with him. And so we come to our final point this afternoon. If they will turn from their boast that they are enough, if they will recognize their need, their need that they need help, that he will assure them that he is enough, that he is enough. What a welcome for the pride, for the arrogance, and for the boastful in Laodicea. What mercy? Deserved? No, not at all. Sheer grace. I wonder if this message is speaking to you. I wonder whether the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart this afternoon. I wonder, can you see yourself in the footsteps of the Laodiceans? 
Has our reliance been on ourselves or on Christ recently? Is our hope rooted in our achievements and our wealth, or is it grounded in him? Has the past year taught us anything about our own vulnerabilities? Are we like the Laodiceans before God, boasting on what we have done? Or maybe we've never come to Christ. Maybe uh, we used to be of the mind of like, well, I don't need anything. I don't need God. This is the letter written to the church. But how is it speaking to us today? As we read, we hear the call and the welcome for the arrogant. There's a welcome for the prideful. There's a welcome for the boastful. Maybe is Jesus calling us to turn away from these things? To give up? putting on that brave face, keeping up appearances in church and entering into dependent, life-giving, fulfilling relationship with him as we discover that he is enough. There are those here in the church who have found that their boasts are lacking and here they are offered a far better alternative. (laughs) They previously boasted in their riches, but Jesus calls them to instead buy from him gold refined by fire. They previously boasted in their fine clothing, but here Jesus calls them to buy from him white garments. They previously had boasted in their health, but Jesus calls them instead to buy from him ointment salve for their eyes. Remember those three things. We're going to come back to them. So you look again at verse 18. Riches, clothing, and ointments. Our question is, how are we to buy these things? How are we to buy these things? Again, marvel at his words. We read at the beginning uh, of our time together, the word of the Lord spoken through the prophet Isaiah. That invitation to come and to buy without money. Come and buy without money. Come and buy without price. (laughs) These are things to receive because of a cost that could not be afforded by our works. It is through Christ's work on the cross in our place that provides these things. These things, three things, riches, clothing, and our ointments for our eyes. For in Christ you are given ointment for your eyes. Once you were spiritually blind, now you see. This is better than any modern medicine alternative. What joy, what a gift. For in Christ, uh, you're given garments of white, no longer stained by sin. You're robed with righteousness, no more guilt, no more shame. What joy and what freedom there is in Christ. How much better is that than boasting in your textile trade? And finally, in Christ, we are given gold refined by fire, riches that are far beyond any precious stone or or precious metal that this world could ever mine or give us. What joy and what treasure is ours in Christ. And so with it, the promise in verse 20, not only to eat with him, but verse 21, to dwell with him. This is incredible. Have a look at your Bible. Jesus says, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. Wow. Praise God. As we marvel at these three things, as we marvel at these things, we're going to come and we're going to respond in prayer now. But remember where we began this afternoon. Remember where we began. Remember who this letter is to, to those who were boasting in what they had said 
and what they had and what they had done. I don't know about you, but as we think about what Christ is giving us, as he makes it clear to us about that he is enough. These guys over here boasting, saying, that, look at us, look what we've got. It looks fairly pitiful, doesn't it? It doesn't really match in comparison with what Christ is going to give and what Christ does give. It looks a bit petty, this side, doesn't it? It all looks a wee bit silly compared to what Christ is offering us today. So he calls them, and he calls us today, verse 19, to turn from our I am enough mindset, to cry out for help. I need help. To repent. The Bible says to do it zealously, passionately, earnestly, immediately. And instead, marvel and rest and rejoice that he is is enough that his grace is enough his mercy is toward the proud the arrogant the boastful people like you people like me and to us he bids us to come to come offering nothing in our hands not boasting in ourselves but offering up our very lives as an act of worship and repentance and reliance to receive and to have that restored relationship in him. Let's respond to God in in prayer. Let's, Let's pray. Lord, we need you. Lord, we need you. Because, Lord, we have boasted so much in ourselves. And, Lord, if, if this last season has been to reveal to us just how, how needy we are, Lord, this has not been time that has been wasted in an eternal time frame. Lord, you've revealed to us just how helpless we are. Lord, you've revealed to us here... Um, in Revelation, just how repulsive our boasts in our own self are before you. Father, repulse us with our own displays of godliness without power. Father, by your Spirit, would you be doing deep work in each one of us? Father, as we, as we repent from any self-boasting, <laughs> that our boast would be in you alone. Lord, call to mind those times when we have not been honest with you or honest with one another for fear of um, embarrassment or to try and keep up appearances. Help us, Lord, to be able to be free, to be so secure in our identity in Christ that it doesn't matter what other people think of us that we might not forsake the blessings that you would have for us for the sake of impressing somebody. Fathers, we boast in our weakness when you reveal your strength to us. Lord, as your church, as we turn away from any pretense, would you be glorified in our midst? Father, breathe new life into each one of us.
Breathe new life into your church, we ask. Lord, satisfy us. Satisfy us that, that you are enough. That our sins are great, but your grace is, is more. Father, root out insecurities, doubts, fears. And Lord, in this season and the season to come, restore us. Father, for, for what has been lost in the years gone by, Lord, restore it and give us more. Grant us your peace, your mercy, and your blessing as we repent, as we call out to you. Unable to bring you anything that is of worth, Lord, we bring you ourselves. That's what you call us to do. Lord, we offer up our lives to you. Or be pleased with our offering, we ask. Or we pray in utter dependence and utter faith in you. Hear us as we cry. We pray in, in, in the Spirit at all times and in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Amen. As it comes to sing our, our, our last hymn, perhaps you just want to take a time now to pause and to think, to respond, and allow these words maybe to, to wash over you as we think, what, what can we bring? Our boast isn't in ourselves. What can we bring? In surrender, we come to him. Bruised and battered, we bow before him. We ask in the fact that he is enough. Let's sing our final hymn together. I will offer up my life. <laughs>